2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
0: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go
2: Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Jeez, three feet of snow falls and everyone leaves. I guess aside from that, congrats to Sue and Khalil and Levante. The Blackshirts are going to be well represented in the Super Bowl. Pro Big Red. That's right. Honky, you're a Dying the Wool
0: Bucks fan. You've been following them so closely over the last 20 years, right? That's absolutely true. I I follow the winners. (laughs) I'm also a boomer.
3: Well, unfortunately, I'm back from Knoxville. My stint there ended. Uh, my last McDonald's bag contained nothing but a four piece chicken nugget and one of those lousy baked apple pies, not as good as the fried ones. Um, not exactly sure what happened, just kind of wandering around the streets there, just seeing trash cans full of sweatshirts from uh, Black and Gold casts and U hauls from Orlando, but uh, so you're stuck with me for now, guys. <laughs>
0: That's right. I, I, don't, I don't think Josh Heupel and Danny White will be nearly as interesting as following Husker Nation boomers here. So you made the right decision. Also with Mac...
1: What's up, Redcasters? We were just discussing our least favorite Beach Boy, and I think we all agreed that it would be Brian Wilson. Um, <laughs> excellent singer-songwriter, but his Twitter feed is unbearable. I don't know what... That guy has an axe to grind for some reason against Husker Nation. Can't figure it out. It's so different than Pet Sounds, you know? I yeah, just, I know.
0: I <laughs> can't really, you know, match the artist with the tweets. It's just weird, It's weird. You know? It's weird. It's just goofy. Uh, well, Honk, always a uh, drama-filled off-season, it feels like. We've got a lot of stuff to talk to Tonight about transfer portals and people coming and going. But, you know, on on the rest cast front, uh, I did see that the most recent January edition of hell Varsity Magazine has a little something special in it.
2: Yeah, we're on page five uh, on the Herd App page, and it's kind of nice, you know, we're in print now. Our, there's our logo, what graphic designer Swobes created, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of made it all feel real now. We're in print. As Steve Martin would say, we're somebody, right? We're somebody, finally. (laughs) So
0: so we're on page five, is that right? That's correct. Hey, Boomer, isn't there like a uh, UK tabloid that always has like a page two girl or something like that?
3: Yeah, we tried that, but uh, her dad shot down Honky's pictures, (laughs) so. The bearskin rug.
2: They were tasteful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, it's probably for the best, you know, um... Uh, The cool thing about being affiliated with her dad and association with Hell Varsity is, uh, you know, we can give our listeners some perks, you know. Um, You listen to us, Redcasters, because we give you all the news about Huskers in a nice uh, hour-long podcast every week. Um, But maybe you want more, right? Uh, You want the latest Husker news, updates, and opinions every week from Hell Varsity. And um, if you go ahead and log on to hellvarsity.com, go into their monthly subscription and use Redcast at the checkout uh, you'll get a little discount on your a monthly subscription you get all the great details and information from hell of varsity uh, from like Brandon Vogel Greg Smith on recruiting all that type of stuff that we get all the time here at
1: the go big Redcast yeah and if you act quickly you get a free football phone with each new subscription <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure <laughs> that's reaching the way back machine yeah. yeah or the michael jordan come fly with me video that was what got me on sports illustrated <laughs> yeah oh totally totally exactly yeah. yeah, Pin the magazine yeah now, and the bonus there mac
0: is the hell varsity swimsuit edition will include the red caps this year <laughs> sneak that into study hall <laughs> while you can <laughs> uh there's a benefit of redoing a show guys you could just really yeah. <laughs>
1: ad lib you know Uh, Yeah, I want to apologize to everybody, too. Uh, My computer's so old, it actually has a primer and a choke, and uh, (laughs) I couldn't get the things to go for some reason. My apologies.
0: (laughs) I mean, the whole house smelled like gas last night. Mac was like, I don't know if this is going to work.
1: Smoking! (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, guys, um, you know, we we have a lot to talk about. We're 24 hours later, but uh, obviously the news of the week was uh, the transfers of... Luke McCaffrey, Cade Warner, and Will Farniak out of the program. Three more offensive players. Three offensive players that probably weren't going to be starting next year, but you know, still um, some important losses there. Uh, Honky, your initial thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, just from a roster management update from where we were a week ago, as you mentioned, Luke and Cade and Will Farniak all entered the transfer portal this week, so that's three players that are leaving, which that drops our scholarships down to 89 total scholarships, six of which... Our seniors, they don't count against next season. So that's at actually at 83. So those three leaving got us under the 85 number. Now that's a good news that, you know, we still have a couple of spots here. And one person that's opening up potentially is Avante Dickerson, the defensive back from Omaha West Side. Uh, he officially decommitted last week from Minnesota. Not a surprise to people. So now it looks like it's kind of down to Nebraska and Oregon. As much as anything, I would say from an optic standpoint, this is one of those important guys you don't want to lose. Four star in state kid to another P5. Frost certainly wouldn't want to do that. And as much as anything, I think that that's really important with Dickerson is to try to, you know, keep that momentum going in state that Frost has built up getting players. As far as the rest of the transfers and all the talk, you know, on social media and everything that's happened this week. I just want to remind people there are over fourteen hundred players in the transfer portal right now. From Nebraska? Not just from Nebraska. From other schools. Oh, I see. It's crazy. There's 130 from the Big Ten alone. You know, it's averaging over nine per school. You know, I've heard people go, "Well, gosh, if we would just win games, they wouldn't leave." Well, Notre Dame was in the College Football Playoff. They've had 12 go in it since August. Northwestern has won the Big Ten West two of the last three years. Their coach just signed a ten-year extension. They're the model of stability. Both of their starting running backs just left. They have as many guys that have joined the transfer portal since the end of the season as Nebraska. Clemson just had a starting linebacker, Mike Jones, in it. I mean, there's no rhyme or reason right now. All I can say is having an opportunity to play is not the same thing as a guarantee to play. And most of the guys that are leaving Nebraska, in fact, 90%, 9 out of 10 this year and the same percentage a year ago and the same percentage a year before that, they're not starters. It's not that I wish poorly on any guy that left. It's not that they're not good players. They they couldn't have had successful careers here, but they weren't going to be starters either. At least they weren't scheduled to be starters, and I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over that. If someone isn't willing to stick it out to earn that spot and they're trying to get it somewhere else, then so be it. I mean, I I hope they can find whatever success they're looking for.
0: Yeah, no, I I get it, Honk. You know, Boomer, I mean, to to Honky's point here, uh, it's really hard to compare apples to apples on, like, the transfer situation right now in Nebraska – against previous coaching regimes here for example I was just listening to Brandon Vogel of Hellvars you talk on one of the sports shows and he was talking they've done some you know research and yeah the frost numbers are, are are pretty high but the transfer portal didn't exist a few years ago uh we also have a situation this year where everybody's expecting to get uh, eligible uh, right away not having to sit out a year right i mean in previous coaching staffs just five years ago. But if you want to talk about 15, 20, 25 years ago, you had a very different dynamic between a coach and a player where the coach could really control where they could transfer to. The player knew they were going to to sit out a full 12 months. It's just a very different dynamic, right? It's just hard to compare. Yeah, and it's probably unfair to do so. Uh, Like
3: Honky was alluding to, the best comparisons are to make between programs currently you know, how are transfers happening? We've seen lots of people transferring from Penn State these last couple days. I mean, is that indicative of some huge cultural flaw with james franklin's program i don't know but it, it's the nature of what it is you know i see people talking about how this is ruining college football no it's just this is what it is i mean you go back to college football you know back in the 1905 era you've got players transferring all the time people switching schools there's
0: no re- regulations yeah
3: right? i mean heck uh, you know guy chamberlain he was from wesleyan and switched back and forth between there and, and nebraska you play for both of them sometimes <laughs> it's just the way it was um the sport changes. Teams have to deal with it. Is it a challenge for coaches to, to handle nowadays? Absolutely. But that's just the nature of it. And like you said, Dave, it kind of shifted, I, I think, the power and control over a player's career a bit from what it used to be, where coaches had a lot more control over what a player could do or couldn't do. Um, you know, they might leave him stuck at a program, wouldn't let him transfer, things like that. And probably shifted it a little more fairly towards the player, because we do have to remember they have
2: a very limited time to play the game they want to play, and they have to find a school and place that works for them. To Boomer's point there, there was a good article that Sean Callahan had today on Husker Online with defense coordinator Shenander, where the challenge right now with managing that roster is, you know, things that even seem to be good on one hand can be harmful on the other. So an example would be six defensive players at Nebraska came back, seniors. That's good, right? We all applaud that. Cam Taylor-Britt and Dismuke and Ben Stilley, all those guys. Well, now what's the challenge? Now you have to manage the guys that are below them on the roster that were maybe expecting to be starters next year that might not be because of that, you know, and now you you kind of have to manage that relationship. It's just, it adds more complexity. On one hand, it's a very good thing. We're glad those six guys are back, but you don't want those six guys to come back at the expense of the six guys that are right behind them all trying to leave and go somewhere else. And so to Boomer's point, I mean, it's, it's the challenge. It's not that it's bad necessarily uh this is a weird year because of the direct transfer and play right away but you do have to manage it. it's just one more thing to manage
0: so mac let's take a a deep dive on on luke mccaffrey just a little bit has there been any um social media reaction to luke transferring out
1: (laughs) no everyone's taking it pretty well i feel like uh you know husker fans at their finest we uh we applaud people's, you know, <laughs> mobility in the portal and and wish them all the best. I wish uh, I wish that, <laughs> I wish right. that were true. I, I really do wish that were true. Uh, and I still stand firm with the thought that most Husker fans do feel that way. But the yeah. Twitter sphere is a is a different breed of cat, man and and you're just allowed to say whatever you want to. And you know, it's pretty expectedly negative in some ways, but. There's only one spot for a quarterback to play, Unle- Well, unless you're Luke McCaffrey and you could do multiple things. But that's, that's right. My point is, those guys are always going to be moving around. That's not even that new. So, if Luke would have stayed, probably Martinez goes. You know, that's just kind of how it is. We were going to lose somebody this year. We lost the guy who threw six interceptions and a very limited amount of play.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting with, with Luke. There's a there's a player who, in high school, actually was the uh, Swiss Army knife for Valor Christian out here in, in Denver. He played multiple roles, wide receiver in particular, while he was waiting in the wings, while his brother was the quarterback, and then another uh, Power 5 quarterback, um, his junior year, was the quarterback. And so he didn't actually play quarterback until he was a, a senior. And then he comes to a, a big-time Power 5 program, and it seemed reasonable that it was going to take several years um, of tutelage and and um, some on-the-job training to be ready to, to start. I think he almost probably started this year before or ahead of schedule. Let's put it that way, right? So waiting one more year for Adrian to, to be the starter didn't seem like that big of a, a deal. So it's hard to read where, uh, Luke and his family are thinking about, um, from his, his future potential because, um, you know, in this day and age with quarterbacks, there's, there's kids that get identified in seventh or eighth grade as a, NFL prospect and is getting the best quarterback coaching that you could possibly get. And when you have the athletic genes of the McCaffrey family, I I wouldn't think that would have been an unusual situation for Luke to be getting uh, coached up in eighth grade, but he didn't start till a senior, you know, that's weird.
2: Yeah. It seems strange for a guy to only start one year in high school and then come to a school Like Nebraska, they had a very young quarterback at the time, Adrian, coming off of a freshman year where it was very promising. It's weird to think that you're kind of come in there and just be a starter reasonably soon anyways especially when you're a stretch at the position a lot of people looked at him as a kind of a tweener guy he could play multiple spots right and it may be quarterback it may not so I don't know obviously there's there's a lot of optics that go on there's optics of doing it when he did it you know waiting until the first week of the semester so you can get those stipend checks and and count against us for a scholarship this semester even when you're not on campus Whatever. I, I mean, guys are going to do what guys do right now. I'm, I'm not saying anything bad about anybody for anything. It's just this is the way it is. This is the system that we have right now. And I don't know that it's going to be the same system in two years or five years. I mean, think how the system has changed just since we started doing this podcast four years ago. It's already – there's been a lot of change that's happened even since then. Redshirt rules and all those things have gone on. So things actually – for slow glacier you know movement as the NCAA can be, things have actually changed a lot here just in a fairly short period of time. One thing regarding the quarterback spot, and this is something that Frost said today, he was talking about how he wants to go through the spring ball and give kids a chance there. Hopefully the answer is, in quotes, right here in the room. And so that was something that Sam McEwen tweeted out, and that's kind of in response to, well, what do we do now? You know, do we need to go into the transfer portal today, right now, and get somebody in here? And Dave, I think you and I talked about that the other day, and it didn't really make sense to us. I mean, the semester's already started, number one. And what guy is going to transfer in here to play that solid second-string role (laughs) behind Adrian? It's
0: it's not going to be easy. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you look at the quarterback room, and look, I mean, if uh, you have Luke there next year, that'd be great, but... You would have to have seen, you know, marketed improvement in Luke's quarterback play to feel like he'd be a really great, uh, second stringer, right? Which I, I hope could have happened, but we'll never know. But the reality is we, we have Logan Smothers now as, as the backup. And, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, Logan's really young and he's inexperienced. How would, how do we have a, have him as the backup? We got to bring someone in with more experience. But I mean, Adrian
1: started as a true freshman, right? It's kind of interesting to me too. You know, going into last year, Frost talked about McAfee, like, if he'd have had a full spring, a full fall ball, he might have challenged a little bit, Adrian, a little bit more for the starting position. And now, mm-hmm. after a, getting a year of playing time and actually starting the game, it's strange to me that he didn't think he could compete and then out-compete Adrian for that same position. I'm, it was still out there for him to get. I assume it would have been an open competition. And nothing was set in stone by the, the coaching staff by any means saying mm-hmm. that Adrian's their guy. Now, maybe behind closed doors, it was a different conversation, but at the end of the day, if you practice better than your, your competition, I'm sure they would start him. So, it's still kind of baffling to me why it went down the way it did, but you know, it is what it is. You got to move on. We've got guys in the room that want to play here, so let's get them coached up.
0: Yeah. You know, another thing, just a one last thing on 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 the Luke McCaffrey scenario. Our sports media and the fans, they listen to Scott Frost every word. And when he says something, and then 3 days later, uh everything changes, right? On Friday he says Luke McCaffrey in an interview is the future of the, the quarterback position. And then he transfers out and it like, oh, boy, he doesn't have a, have a read on the room. Right. And and, you know, he's probably not speaking to us. He was speaking to Luke McCaffrey, trying to convince him to, to stay. And it, it made me think a little bit of Scott Frost's own situation at Stanford. Right. Obviously, a highly regarded quarterback coming out of high school goes to Stanford to get coached up by Bill Walsh. And Bill Walsh does ask him at, at times there, I believe, to consider a, a position move over to safety. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Walsh told him at some point, hey, Scott, your pass at the NFL is not going to be in the quarterback room. You know, I, I like you. I think you're a great athlete. You're just not going to be an NFL quarterback. Why don't you move to a, a different position? Scott ultimately wanted to be quarterback in, uh, in college, transferred back to Nebraska, ended up being a national championship quarterback. Where did he play in the NFL? Safety. <laughs> right, you know? So everybody has a different path to the NFL. It, it, it all can happen in different ways. Um, and I totally understand how Frost, as a coach here, he's totally like, Luke, if you want to be quarterback, we'll continue to support you that way. And, you know, if for some reason you think you can do that somewhere else better than here, um, that, that's okay. We're moving on.
2: You know, I can't get over the fact that, you know, when I look at the 10 guys that are currently in the portal for us, nine of them are not on schedule to start next year and we had someone that challenged us on twitter saying well you know you know some of those are young guys and they could compete and they'd be future starters and blah 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 well then keep your ass around here and play and compete yeah if that's the case if you're a future starter then you don't need to leave right stick around and earn that role if not when i say you're not scheduled to start next year that means 9 of the 10 players are at positions where the returning starter is on the team already they've already been starting they've already been playing I'm not trying to be old school here. I'm just trying to be realistic. If you're not going to stick around and earn the spot, I don't know what school is for you. Are you going to go to Alabama and just the spot's there for you? Are you going to go to Clemson and the spot's just there for you? Three Tennessee guys I just saw transferred, and I think they're going to Oklahoma. You know, yay for us. And some of them were their you know leading rushers and you know top recruits and stuff. Are they just guaranteed a starting spot
1: at Oklahoma? Yeah. And what's McDonald's serving down there?
2: <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> probably a water burger. I was going to yeah, say, it's a annoying, yeah, you're right, yeah, you're yeah, right. And
2: then, you know, the other narratives are, well, you know, but our best receiver this year, Wandell, or a year ago, our best receiver, JD, well, I thought the best player on last year's team was Betts, whether he had the best stats or not. And Betts is part of a transition that we're seeing on offense right now with receivers. We've brought in seven receivers in the last 18 months that are 6'2 or taller. And yeah. when you look at Wandell and JD from two years ago, they don't really look like that.
1: Betts only had one less touchdown than
2: Wandell. One less. I mean, that that's the future of this offense. You know, there's a arbitrary analytics on Twitter. They posted a thing that says, as it currently stands, the Huskers' 2021 recruiting class would be the third tallest class in college football since 2002, class minimum 10 recruits. The average commit in this class is 6 feet 3.85 inches tall. Now, that doesn't guarantee us anything, right? That There's no guarantee we're going to go out and go 12-0 and 0 because we are getting tall, big kids. But what it is telling me is, is what we've talked about the last couple of episodes, guys, is that there's this transition that we're doing on offense. We are shifting to a different look and feel than what we were a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. The, when Frost came in here and it's going to be Husker Power and Oregon Speed, um, there may still be parts of that, but he's going to be doing it no matter what with bigger players. And we have got big, tall, athletic tight ends. Like Rollins and Carney and Fedoni, and we're going to get big running backs like Step and bringing in Irvin. Irvin's not small; he's shorter, but he's compact. He's a different kind of runner for sure than what Maurice Washington was, or what Greg Bell was, or you know what some of those guys that you know we would have brought in Miles Jones that was going to be in some of those kind of roles. Right? These are different kinds of guys now, and you have Marvin Scott in there. And I look at that offense, and maybe it's still going to be some spread stuff, and maybe still try to do some Oregon speed, but we're going to be doing it with guys that look like Big Ten players. So. I don't know how that exactly is going to look, but it's going to look different than the guys that have been leaving.
0: Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot on the radio and and from fans about the lack of offensive identity, but I mean, I think you see, you know, what we did at Rutgers with over 600 yards of offense and there is some identity there, right? You know, I mean, and I I don't think from an X's and O's standpoint that we're going to see a completely different offense. It's still a Scott Frost offense. Correct. But the personnel will make a difference as well, right? But to the point of, the honky with the big receivers you're having a much bigger catch radius for for maybe a slightly inaccurate quarterback throwing downfield right you're making it easier for him potentially Mm -hmm. to connect to uh, Xavier Betts or Samori Torre or
2: god forbid uh, Omar Manning out there something we talked about in the last show and I think we kind of hit on something in the conversation we had was I love the running quarterback I've mentioned that a thousand times but that Rutgers game is a good example of, like, we don't need our quarterback running at 20-plus times a game. And one of the things that none of us like in Husker Nation that came out of that game, for we loved all the yards, we loved the physical running attack, we loved all that, we didn't love Martinez's fumbles. And that was something I said, you know, we need to, how do we cut that down? And what did you say? Stop running the quarterback. Stop running it that many times. And so you can run the same offense And maybe it's not Martinez at the three-yard line running into the back of the line, you know, plowing to get that one yard, right? That's where you bring in Step and you bring in Irvin, you bring in Scott, and these guys are, you know, are battering rams. And so it's the same offense. The one thing I'm hoping for, not a play calling, but more of a game planning, is that there's a consistency a bit from game to game. What I saw us try to do against Rutgers, I'd love to see us try to do against Ohio State. I don't care who the opponent is. Go out and do that kind of approach. Let's pound it. Let's go between tackles on them. And when we come out and sometimes we get cute, so to speak, because we think we can pull something off. The Minnesota game last year is the one that, that comes to mind. You know, this is a team that's ripe for us just to run it right at them, and we and we don't. We come out right away throwing the side screen to, to Wondell, and that always worked great, right? If you find something that works, man, Wisconsin and Iowa, they don't mess around. If they find something that works, they do it. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we heard a lot of interesting things from Frost in the last seven days, right? Um, uh, we had the, the, uh, radio interview from Sports Nightly and then a, a sit down interview with the, uh, the brain trust at the Journal Star and Omaha World Herald. And we got a lot of stuff out of that, right? I mean, we talked about the offensive philosophy already, but the play calling was a discussion and how he's splitting that more with, with Lubick, the special teams, um, analysts, sticking with, uh, all, uh, 10 assistants. What were uh, some big takes out of that?
1: Well, for me, I think the, the big thing is him showing... This is still an evolution of a young coach trying to figure out his roles. He's at a bigger program now. He's learning that he can't just be the OC and the play caller on game day. I think that's probably the biggest lesson he learned this last season is he he needs to be... You can't go into a press conference and not have an answer as to why somebody wasn't out there on special teams. You need to know that, and you need to know why. And when you start to, and I get it too. I'm like, he, he fancies himself a play caller. He always kind of has been. It's sort of been his role coming up. But as the stage gets bigger, you need to delegate more. And you get a guy like Lubick in here, a guy you trust, a guy who thinks a lot like you, and you're confident in his play calling ability because you've gone through it during the week. That allows you to have a, your, your finger in a few more different pies as, as the game goes on.
0: Well, Mac, you know, you- with uh, Frost having his hands in, in, on more parts of the program, that makes a lot of sense. He could spend more time with special teams, uh, right, Boomer? And uh, that's something you've been asking for for a long time, to have the head coach really invest in that special teams, that that third phase of the game. And it sounds like they're going to stick with the uh, analyst role, um, but maybe he's bringing somebody in with even more experience than uh, Jonathan Rutledge.
3: Yeah, I'll be curious to see who they bring in in that role, Everybody and their dog knows something needs to be changed there. You know, my general approach to it's been, I look at what Urban, how Urban Meyer approaches special teams. If you want to model yourself on something that'll succeed in the Big Ten, he's a good guy to model yourself after. He took special teams very seriously he had a hand in it you know we've talked about it in podcast after podcast the different things he's done there the approaches he's taken the the things he learns about you know how other teams approach it they can always tell when uh, something tricky is going on because they know right. if a head coach has a has a hand in special teams or not and how they put their players in there everyone has to play on special teams even their their great four and five star recruits have to play in there
0: let me ask you a question regarding that then so i'm just i'm curious to see who frost hires for this role Bush!
2: Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, just uh,
0: got a little thirsty there. Uh, that's right. A little, little bush, maybe, right? Um, I <laughs> guess that's exactly where I'm going, Hawk huh? is that maybe Frost has someone that um, he might have a lot of trust in or a previous relationship in. Maybe somebody with Nebraska connections that could fill that role and um, that he could really work w- well with and have a lot of trust in. Um, and that might be different than what he was getting with Rutledge.
2: It's certainly something that has to get better than what it was last year. And to Frost's point about, you know, being able to go 50-50 with play calling against Rutgers with Lubick calling the plays for him, I mean, that's huge there, too. If that opens things up for him to be able to do that. And, you know, I like Lubick lot there. He has a very big sky vision of what this offense <laughs> Oh, Ooh. Uh, I mean, he has a very big picture vision of what this offense could be. And uh, we'll find out what happens here over the course of the next seven, 10 days, you know, with what's going on with his future there. But uh, everything that Frost talked about last week with Lubick indicated that he was very much a part of what we're going to be doing on offense and very much a part of how he's going to transition into that role of being the, Urban Meyer-esque kind of sideline, head coach, CEO, special teams, understanding everything that's going on because his you know, face isn't stuck in a play call sheet the whole entire game.
0: Absolutely. Uh, another really interesting thing, Mac, uh, from that interview with Frost was that Ron Brown is moving out of the um, player development role that he's been in for the last couple of years after he came back to Nebraska. And he, he's going to be reassigned. We don't know if maybe it's a – offensive analyst position. Um, I think Sam McEwen alluded that he still likes to be an X's and O's coach. I wouldn't mind seeing him helping out in the running back room, you know. But that means that we're going to have a new player development uh, position. Frost alluded that Ron is maybe too old for that these days. He doesn't want to go over to the dorms three times a week, and we need someone younger. So I'd be really curious to see who he fills uh, with that. Again, uh, someone that maybe has uh, a little more energy and uh, can connect to the to the kids, and that might help the, the transfer situation.
1: Yeah, certainly a role that was probably exacerbated by the pandemic and these, these yes. guys being so far from home and needing maybe a little more. I don't want to call it hand holding, but I can't think of a better term right now, but there is a, there's an adjustment to college life. There's adjustment to being that far from home. And I can't imagine that adjustment when you throw in a pandemic on that and the rigorous testing that in you did the entire season. So, yep. you know, it, it probably does take a, a young man's vigor to kind of be over there and, and to be a part of that. So again, Showing Frost not not the narrative I hear so much about him being stubborn and unwilling to change. I mean, I've seen changes, fundamental changes every single year with what he's done. <laughs> None of this resulted in winning. Now, <laughs> <laughs> that comes last apparently in this right. whole story. So so just I mean we've got to get every little piece put together before <laughs> we start winning games. But by God you know, this is our year, right? Fellas, tell me I'm right. Come on. <laughs> someone say I'm right. You're right.
2: You're right. This is-
1: <laughs> uh, all
0: right, guys. Well, uh, Hawk, is there other things you want to touch on with uh, all the, the media
2: um, in the last week or so? We talk about getting old and staying old on the field, but I think in, the, in that coaching room, too, it's eliminating the excuses right now. Let's make the assumption that all the coaches stick around all the way through the offseason, right? On defense, we have these six guys all come back that are returning starters. Nine of the eleven returning starters, and even really ten of the eleven by the end of the season after Miller was injured, we have all of that in place on defense. There's there's no excuse there. Special teams get better, but we have a returning all conference kicker, and you know if we have the healthy punter Cerny, you know that's a helpful thing right there. Our, our scholarship punter and You know, there's no excuse there. We have a fourth year quarterback. There's no excuse there. We're getting old. We're still young on the line, but they're all returning starters, basically. Four of the five guys are coming back. And because of how COVID is going to put these guys in terms of their years, a lot of them are still redshirt freshmen, even though they're in their third year. Yep. But look at that offensive line. Our left tackle is a 6'6, 300 pound top 100 recruit in Corcoran. Our left guard is a 6'4, 300 pound from Nebraska, Ethan Piper, who's going into his second season starting, he's still a guy that at the end of the Riley era they were not offering, and he had one offer. It was from Iowa, not from Nebraska, and Frost got him here. So if he was at Iowa, he wouldn't be starting right now because he would be in year three or four of their development, and he would be a starter a year from now. You know, In in year four, he'd come out and he'd be a bulldozer, right? Well, at Nebraska, he's starting right now because that's where we're at in our development, but we got him. That's a good sign. Big dude. Look at our center, Cam Juergens, 6'3", 295, Richard sophomore, going into his third year of starting. Uh, look at our right tackle, Benhart, 6'9", 330, you know, top 100 recruit going into his second year of starting. So they're big guys. They're returning. Get old. They should get better. They need to get better. There's no other way to say it that's something that Frost really, I think, he harped on. And he, and he even mentioned that with the defense. He goes, most of the reason the, the performance on defense was better is because there's veterans on that side of the field. Well, we need to get our veterans playing well, and and the guys that aren't veterans on offense need to become veterans soon. And one other thing, Dave, that he also talked about is just how we're getting close. And I know it sounds like a broken record, but he said, I think everyone can see we're close, but close isn't good enough. And a lot of what can get us over the top for us is more details, a little more discipline, not uh-huh. making mistakes here, you know, and there. Yeah, he, so. He, he-
1: he does like to say that. And and I by God, you know, I said it a couple shows back that I thought he probably wouldn't say that this year because the tone of his message last year <laughs> wasn't that. And bless his heart, man, he comes right out in the offseason just swinging for the fences and even moves, doubles down on <laughs> yeah, it, like, says we should be contending for the West this year. And, you know, in my heart of hearts, yes, that's what I want. But do I want to hear that? It just seems like it's just a humongous setup for... Uh, humongous bashing on social media if we fall short on any of these marks but you know he's the head guy he he walks around with that kind of swagger this is how he thinks you know and we've said it before he for the most part he is a lifetime winner and that's how lifetime winners probably think so i hope to god this is the year boys i don't i don't know how much more of this i can buy
0: <laughs> well, uh, I think we're going to talk about expectations here just in a in a second. But, I mean, I mean to, to your point there, Mac, uh, Dirk, Chatelain, and Orler Held had an extensive collection of Frost quotes over the last three years in an article came in, uh, that came out today. And, I mean, he every year has said, you know, we're close. we're turning a corner. I mean, you know, the themes are consistent. Um, but to your point, if at some point, it, it has to manifest itself into actual wins um, to really Proved to the fan base which now is at this point um pretty much doubtful right there's a lot of doubt in the fan base that this is going to happen
1: yeah if you jump on the rivals message boards it's ridiculous i mean the the venom that they have for frost right now it's out of hand, to be quite honest with you. You can't say anything positive on the rivals boards without getting bashed.
0: I don't know how people are going to make it through the whole off season at this present moment. It's it, nuts.
1: They they are not hearing one word of positivity, not one word. It's ridiculous. It's like, and wow, I guess that's just the just where we are as a program right now. But it's irritating too. I, I feel like these are very small people with with you know just. Real a, a lot of butt hurt. I guess I don't. I don't know if that's a technical term, but it's just a very strong butt hurt in them. And I, I don't care to. I wouldn't surround myself with those kind of Husker fans when I watch a football game for certain. But they are all over those rivals boards. I don't know how like Sean Callahan and Robin Washit put up with that stuff when they do those chats. Man, it's got to be brutal. So hats yeah. off to those guys. Yeah, I mean, well, we see it on
2: Twitter, you know, and and that's at a much smaller you know level than what they're seeing in those some of those chat rooms and i don't go in any of those rooms twitter is enough for me right but yeah you know there's there's one thing to be a doubting fan and i get that we're not here look we're not talking to you, by the way. Anyone listening right now, we're not talking to you. We are you. We're, we're Husker Nation as much as anybody else. I mean, that's what we are as fans. So we're just as upset and frustrated with the losses and everything, too. It's okay to be doubtful. I'm not going to change anyone's mind with anything I've ever said on this show, talking about changing the offenses and getting bigger and blah, blah, blah. None of that, even if it's all factual, and I like to think of what I say is, it's still not going to change your mind if you don't want it to be changed. So I'm not even asking you to change your mind. Being doubtful is okay. Being negative for the sake of being negative, I don't get that. You know, almost wanting to see the program fail because then you have a pre-built idea of like, well, then – we can get rid of Frost and then bring in X guy here, or bring in this guy, bring yeah. in my guy, Ooh. and then it's going to be better. <laughs> I just that I am tired of that.
1: Yeah, there's no solutions on the board. It's just bitching. It, it. Nobody has any idea. Well, let's hire this guy. Let's hire this guy. I'm like they like. Haven't we played this game enough? Haven't we played <laughs> to fire this guy, get this guy? Chenander sucks. Now he's good. Frost doesn't know how to call plays. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah, and and listen. Some of them make points. I'm not saying they're, they're, they're without merit. But I'm just not going to frame my fandom that way. I'm sorry. I can't do that. That's just not – how do you enjoy a football season? If that's how you go into the season with that mindset, that must be awful. Again, I would never watch a football game with half of these posters. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a
3: difference between those those people that are out there that just want to really be negative. Uh, and we see them, like you said, on social media, the ones that no matter what happens, they're going to complain about X, Y, Z or bring up something that happened you know, 10, 15 years ago. But I, I will say, I think it is fair for fans to say, I think we're at the point where this staff has to prove stuff. They can say everything they want, they say a lot of good things, but we're at the time that they need to actually prove that, hey, we are going to be taking those steps forward. You know, it's time to start winning. I mean, even Moose, like you said, said so. It's time to start competing for the West. So, I, I think, you know, there's a difference between, you know, being negative for negative sake, which there's plenty of that on social media and all aspects of life, and... I think just the fans that just say, hey, we support the team, but we want to actually see progress. So, And it's important to keep that distinction, too.
2: Yeah. You know, F- Frost made that statement. He goes, I definitely think it's time for us to start competing for or winning our half. I'm not sure if I felt like we had a team that was ready to do that in the past years. I do now. Okay. I, again, those are great words. I mean, that's what I want to hear, right? In year four. Yeah, that's my expectation, too. And what is that expectation? Well, I guess, first off, we have to define what competing for means. Because if it's just about competing, we've already done it. We're competing with these teams. We talked about the 12 losses over the last three years by a score or less. We took Northwestern down to the last minute here, and they won the West, right? We're competing against those teams, but eventually you got to win some games. And to me, competing means that you're going into November, and you are competing in the standings to win the division. And that's something we haven't done the last three years, regardless of the fact that we've been playing good ball at times, or better ball, or more physical ball, or we're taking Iowa down to a last-second field goal. You know, We're doing all these things that, to Frost's point, it's close, but it's not competing when you look at the standings. And that's the thing that, at the end of the day, these frustrated fans, which we all are, they're not wrong for being frustrated right now.
3: And what does he mean by half? Does he mean... The West, or just half the West?
0: Yeah, I I thought that too. I'm like, yeah, we can win about a half of our games next year. That makes sense.
3: Because
1: Purdue in Illinois, we've got your number this year, so look out. And what does he mean by corner? Does he mean by corner a circle? Because <laughs> if, if there's, there's, I'm, I keep we're rounding and we just yeah. keep rounding. Yeah, but at some point there's got to be a straightaway, right? <laughs> well, we've come 360. We started
2: at four and eight, we're right back down there, right? Right. I I think when he says winning our half, I obviously I think he that's in reference to the West, and that's look that's that is my expectation even for next year. As crazy as that sounds, and some people are going to turn me off immediately and go, oh. Oh, my God, jeesh. Oh,
0: they expect it from you, Honk. It's okay.
2: Well, but it's also – that is my expectation of this program. My expectation of this program will always be to win the West. Look, from team to team, one team's going to be better than the next year. You know, a team loses a bunch of seniors or whatever. You know, you're going to have a fall off from year to year. But as an expectation of the program for Nebraska, I don't know how to expect anything other than winning the West and competing for the West every year. I I just – I don't know how – it's not built in me to sit there and go, well – we're kind of a bottom feeder in the West. We kind of, you know, say, you know we'll be down there with Purdue. I just don't. Yeah. See that. I'll never see that. And I get it. There are short-term trends. And right now, if you think in the grand history of things, the last four years feels like eons to us. But in reality, it's just four years. Brett Ciancia right now is is posting on Pick Six previews his annual Blue Bloods and who is and Nebraska is going to be a Blue Blood again. We're sixty. Three percent yes out of you know ten thousand votes, we're still a blue blood, right? And what is that? It's it's a very historical approach. Uh, sage Rosenfelds, you know, the great Sage, by the way, he posted <laughs> the other the other night, he goes, Nebraska football reminds me of the time that Army used to have highly regarded national ranked football program. By the way, two of these players are sons of former NFL players. Their dads know a bad
1: culture when they see one. Right. I remember uh, Kurt Warner tweeting what a bad culture it was when his son was voted captain (laughs) of that culture. (laughs) (laughs) Horrible culture. How could you put Cade as a captain in that horrible culture? Like, come on.
2: Well, speaking of Brett with pick six previews, I mean, dude, he dropped the mic on Sage. He goes, look, it's the worst four year stretch since pre-devany question mark. Yes. But 1997 is quite different than 1945. Nebraska was ranked in the top 10 as recent as 2016 and has won a national title more recently than Notre Dame, 1988. Penn State, 1986. Georgia, 1980. Oregon, never. Wisconsin, never. I mean, it's not that I want Brett to go and fight our battles for us, but yeah, I mean, look, there are idiots all over there. You don't have to just go to message boards for it. You can go find Sage on on Twitter and a number of other people that, look, I don't know what it is with Nebraska. We get... We get attacked nationally for everything. If it's, we want to play football, we were the only one and people came and attacked us. The transfer portal stuff, we get attacked by everybody for having all these guys in the transfer portal. There's 1,400 dudes in it! We're the only one!
0: <laughs> well, Boomer, I mean, it sounds like Sage has also got something to uh, bone to pick with Army, right? I mean, what's his problem with, with Army? I mean, A, maybe he doesn't like Doc Blanchard or something, but Army was been pretty good the last few years.
3: Yeah, he just, he just must hate America. There's no other question around it. So, Sage, I don't know what you're problem is but man you got some issues to work out
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh good stuff well you know boomer i mean to counter honky a little bit here obviously we know he's gonna put the scarlet colored glasses on and that's that's why we do a show for god's sakes that's what i'm here for i mean you know the reality is is when the priests and megan's magazines come out and that type of stuff you know nebraska's schedule is gonna rank up there pretty high as one of the toughest schedules in the 2021 season, right? We have Oklahoma and, and Ohio State. Um, on paper, it, it's it's a tough schedule to turn the corner on.
3: Yeah, it is. Um, but if you are going to say you're turning a corner and competing, you have to win these games. I mean, early on, it's it's going to be a tough stretch, but I think you've got to start the year, at least let's say through September, you've got to be Man, I'd almost say you have to be 3-1. I mean, 2-2, two and two maybe, but jeez. You've got Illinois, Buffalo, Oklahoma, and Sparty to start the year. And if you're any worse than 2-2, two and two, that's going to be a tough road. To yeah, play.
0: to get to 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five or whatever, you got to win those three games right there. Yeah, if you
3: if you want to get bowl eligibility, I think you really have to at that point. I mean, you've got one throwaway game with southeastern Louisiana, but nothing else is a given this year. You've got Ohio State and Michigan and Sparty as crossovers. You know, Ohio State is what they are. You know, we've had trouble with Michigan State's, you know, head coach. And Michigan, who knows, you know, Harbaugh is what he is. Sometimes they're good, sometimes not. You know, it depends how well the khakis are fitting that day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's not an easy schedule. But, again, this is what the Big Ten schedule is going to be a lot of times. These teams aren't easy. We've shown we're capable of losing to even the questionable teams of the Big Ten, the Purdue's and Indiana's. It's never going to be easy. So, if you want to show you're a competitive team, you've turned that corner, you're capable of competing in your
0: half, whatever that half is, start doing it. So you've got plenty of opportunities here. You know, Mac, I mean, it, it does It's kind of a sobering effect to, to talk about this sometimes, right? And and to think about where we're at right now. And I, I have full faith that we're going to get there. But, you know, it, it is a, a daunting task to, to think of, just from a fan perspective, that, that that this should be hard. I mean, it's hard to think that that it, we've got to this point,
1: right? Yeah, it, these last four years have been. Yeah, you're right. Sobering. They've just been. You had to take stock in the program. You had to take stock of where we had gotten to, and then you you look up at this this hill you have to climb, and you know at first we weren't equipped for it, and and you know we're we're Putting tools in the toolbox to 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 get there, but there's no ifs, ands, or buts right now. We got to win games this year. There's just there's all the credit, all the all the the goodwill that was was shown to Frost when he got here. He's evaporated that, and I'm not saying that with 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 us four, but I mean within the fan base, it's pretty clear that they've had enough. And you know, you know, you talked about how we draw all this ire on Twitter or social media, part of that is our fan base, because we will react to whatever anybody posts about Nebraska. And so they know that, and they'll put something out there just to, just to get the clicks, you know, put a burr in our saddle. And that's such an old term, (laughs) but you know, just to, just to get us riled up and you know what? So be it. I, I prefer us being the underdog and, and I look at this schedule. Yes, it's hard. We've got some challenges early on so be it. Let's see what it is because listen, there's no point in trying to pussyfoot through uh, the early part of a season and not know who you are. We're going to know pretty early on what kind of team we have. I like our chances. I really do. I think with with these returning defensive starters coming back and what the offense is put in place to to replace some guys we lost and the the returning talent that we do have, listen, College football is a, is a crazy game, and teams can turn the corner <laughs> as quickly as, as one season. So uh, you're not going to convince me that we can't. We'll know quick enough. We'll know quick enough. But I'm not, I'm not here to cower to this schedule. I just won't do it. I'm not going to sweat Buffalo. I'm, I just won't. From a
2: fan perspective, they should be ecstatic right now. You're going to have Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern all coming to Lincoln. Six of our last games are at home. Are only away games out of the last eight games are at Purdue and at Minnesota. Okay, I mean, you can make, create a hundred different narratives about the same schedule. I don't care right now if it's easy or hard. What I care about is playing winning football. And I hope that's what coaches care about. Coaches aren't looking at the schedule going, well, these are winnable, these aren't blah, blah, blah. They're looking at this and looking at their team and going, are we playing winning football? I hear so much about the Big Ten. It's the Big Ten. And I'll meet people in the middle. The Big Ten is good. It's physical. It's tough. I think it's bringing some of the best out of Frost from what he needs to do to transition our offense into a more physical approach and maybe still maintain some of his spread stuff. Okay, I think it can bring the best out of it. The Big Ten is legit, okay? But the Big Ten isn't why we've been losing games. We've been losing games because we snap the ball over the quarterback's head. We lose games because we stop a team on third down, but we target and we give them a first down. We lose games because we get a holding penalty on a touchdown that we scored on one of these defenses. Okay, those are the things, those mistakes – over and over again, turnovers, penalties, all those things. Special teams. Which is not winning football. Special teams. It's not winning football. And it's not winning football against the Big Ten. It's not winning football against Mel Tucker at Colorado. It's not winning football against Troy. It's not winning football. So my thing is I look at that schedule is I go, that's who we play. Those are the teams that are going to be coming to Lincoln. This is how it lays out. Awesome. We start off in maybe in Ireland playing Brett Bielema in Illinois. Great play winning football. You have a fourth-year quarterback. Don't be throwing interceptions. Let's not be fumbling the ball around. We have an offensive line that's completely back, a third-year center now. So snap issues should be over, right? We should never have another snap issue ever again, not with a third-year center. I do get it. You know, some of the attacks that I know our coaches have gotten and, and, and our program's gotten, some of it is probably deserved too. I mean, Boomer, we talked about the other day off air, you know, even like with Jurgens, there was some hype with him when he got moved over to center, you know, talking about Remington and, and you know, there's that probably isn't helpful to a guy, right? That's just barely making that change over. And, and those probably go back to some of the things we said several shows ago where it's like if you were Frost and you could do it over from day one, maybe you wouldn't say some of the things. You said right away, right? And it it came back and bit you a bit when we didn't have that success. But, look, I'm willing to throw all that stuff aside right now. When we're moving forward, play winning football. Play winning football on August 28th, game one against Illinois. And that's it. Amen. Got to do it. All right, Ahank. Do we have anything in the mailbag tonight? Uh, not a full mailbag segment this week, Dave, but uh, we did get an email into our Go Big Redcast at Gmail inbox from Douglas Taverdi and he's sent us many emails before. Really good uh, follower, and, and goes in depth with X's and O's and everything. And he asked something that I thought was kind of interesting, and we've been referencing several times now tonight the quarterback Martinez and the the play calling and he said last week you guys talked about how the Big Ten had adjusted and caught up to Frost and he goes I found a really good example and he talked about the first play against Minnesota got really in depth with the what we had from a personnel standpoint how the defense adjusted and and everything and he basically got to the conclusion that he goes do you think that with a fourth year starter that Frost will start to allow audibles and it got me thinking about The style of football that we run, like Dave, I don't know that it's about allowing audibles or not. To me, this offense is more about making the right read to begin with, and that's been more in question. When we haven't thrown it to the right guy, it's not because we audibled in the wrong play. We just didn't throw it to the right guy or didn't make the right read on the the zone read, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Right, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. You know, it actually reminds me of uh, another quote we heard from Frost talking about his role in the quarterback room, and that... Um, you know, Mario is kind of the, the scientist and he's, he's the doctor of uh, quarterback play, but Frost wanted to, um, little, uh, bring more of the experience, right? The, the nuances of the game, the art of, of being a great quarterback to, to Adrian and have a little bit more hands-on approach to that. And that's a part of what we're talking about here, I think. I don't think this offense has, Audibles uh, in the true sense of the word, but a lot of offensive systems in college, especially don't really have the traditional audible where you just audible to a completely different play. I mean,
2: now Dave, we're not quite the check with me though system either. Are we where you see, you know, like the teams are turning around looking at the sideline?
0: Yeah, that's my take. I don't see a lot of that happening. Other again, other programs, you you see a quarterback look over and they are literally giving him the audible on the fly. I don't see that as uh, nearly as much at Nebraska, but I do think it's all pre snap decisions right essentially adrian's back there and he's he's counting um the box he's uh sending someone in motion to see what type of coverage the secondary is in and then he's identifying where he wants to go with the ball right before the snap so he may have four or five options um and but he's determining where he wants to go before that uh snap of the ball now to douglas's point with that that example with wandel and the screen um you know some Big Ten teams uh, probably have done enough uh, game tape on Nebraska to uh, see our tendencies and and say, well, it, they might show us something that tips Adrian off that he should throw the ball to Wandel out there for the first play of the game. And they're disguising that, and they ultimately know it's coming, right? So we need to be a little bit smarter about that and
1: maybe um, be more um, proactive opposed to trying to react. Well, they're going to have to completely adjust next year because we won't have Wondell, who was, <laughs> who was our primary tendency on a lot of these plays. But Dave, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, when, when Frost talks about shifting roles, I, that's a big one. Just the real time game management of playing quarterback. I think he adds value there that we haven't seen yet. So when Adrian comes off the field instead of maybe getting on the, the headset and talking upstairs. He can talk to Frost. He's already talked to Lubick, you know, and Verdusco's had their input, and and he can relay it to him, and 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 show him. And hopefully, this doesn't happen too much because Adrian is a fourth year starter. So, I mean, at at some point, you've got to you trust your quarterback to make these decisions. But but when you know when a defense adjusts and they're doing something different than maybe we had scouted them to do, um, that's where that could be really valuable. But it, I'm not joking with with Wondell gone. Good luck on our tendencies. I have no idea what we're going to do on the goal line. That's
2: right.
0: I mean, imagine, imagine the, uh, Illinois trying a game plan for us when they, they watch the game film and it's just
2: Wandel every other play this year. Now they're like, he's not there. What are they going to do?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, you think about it, Every offseason, you always hear about coaches talking about self-scouting and everything. And, and truly, I think that is important. Douglas hit on that. Frost hit on that on day one where he goes, I hope the Big Ten has to adjust to us. Well, they have. And they've adjusted to you and your your play calling style and your tendencies. And there's a self scouting that has to happen with every coach. And I guess maybe that's a question: of like, how do you go about doing that? You know, Boomer, I'll I'll bring you into discussion here. I mean, think about this not just from a football perspective, it, business, every team, every organization, they have to self scout themselves at some point, right? I used to work in product development, and like we would do. Retrospectives of our of our sprints, and like every month we would look over and say, "How did we do the last month? You know what did we do well? What do we need to improve on? Are we doing that do you and how do you do that as a football staff?
3: Yeah, that's a good question, and I think that's one of the reasons you see such an emphasis on analysts on staffs these days because they have more time to spend watching film, breaking that stuff down, and hopefully identifying tendencies and what, what programs are doing both internally and externally. Um, because it is just a challenge, just finding time in the day to, to try to identify this sort of stuff. And we've seen, you know, Nebraska, like you like you guys have said, we do have tendencies. Everybody knows those sideline passes are coming, and half the time it's the first play of the game. You know, why do we keep doing it? You know, it, it's tough for, for coaching staffs, I think, you know, when there's only... You only have so much time in the day. It's a comfortable thing to fall back on. You know you, you know how to do it. We just see coaching staffs tend to do that sort of stuff. Yep. I think the default position is to do what we know how to do for a lot of people. So that's why it's good to have those outsiders to sometimes shake things up. And...
0: Well, speaking of a, an outsider boomer who was an insider, um, I, I saw that um, Tom Rathman, someone who I suggested would be a great addition to the coaching staff someday, uh, has retired from coaching um, but my understanding is, retiring from coaching does not mean he's retiring retiring from analyzing. So maybe we could add Tom Rath. Yeah,
3: there you go. It's it's certainly possible. So he's he's got some free time now.
2: Yeah, one hundred fifty thousand dollars retirement gigs aren't terrible.
3: No, 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 not at all. I'll do it for one hundred twenty-five thousand. If if anyone from the program is listening, so. cut that in half. I'll
1: I'll do it. You know, <laughs> I mean, and I'll go to I'll go to the dorms and talk to those guys about how great Nebraska is. <laughs> so, Boomer, what all have you offered? You, you're our special teams
2: coordinator. You're going to be a, at least the clock yeah, manager. Clock management coordinator. coordinator.
3: I'll happily do that. I um, mean, just
2: you know, just just reach out to us. Fundraiser for anyone a... at any
3: staff. You know, except for a few programs. Yeah. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Iowa, now Tennessee.
2: You have your own problems. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for the question, Douglas. And like I said, keep sending them in. Everyone, keep sending them in uh, at Go Big RedCast uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course our Go Big RedCast at Gmail inbox. Send us, send us your thoughts, and we'll try to get them on the show.
0: All right, great stuff, guys. Uh, had fun two nights in a row. Let's get out of here with some parting shots. Mac, tell you what, I'll let you lead off.
1: Well, I just uh wanna tell all the Redcasters out there it's important to save files. Uh, you want to you wanna have a backup for your backup. I guess that's the lesson <laughs> I learned recently, you know. I did a little self scouting and uh it turns out that I I wasn't, you know, crossing all my T's and dotting all my I's but going forward I feel like I've got this covered. No analyst needed, by the way. <laughs> all right, uh boomer. Well, I just
3: want to give a shout-out. I know it's been, uh, uh, we've heard this all week, but uh, Hank Aaron, baseball great, passed away. Uh, most people just think of him as the home run king. Uh, pre-steroid Aaron, obviously. But uh, it just he was so much more than that. If you go back and just look at his stats, it's just, just incredible the things he did in baseball. Uh, even if you like, just for example, if he took away all of his home runs, he's still in a 3,000-hit club. In baseball, Jeez. he was a Gold Glove multiple, multiple times. He was yep. He just has just stat after stat after stat, and just what he was able to do in baseball is just just incredible. I think he's uh, got like over almost fifteen hundred extra base hits. Just stat after stat, it's just incredible what he was able
0: to do, and it's
3: it was a sad day to see him pass.
0: Yeah, great great call, Boomer. I think another stat I, I heard he had twenty five or more home runs every season. Until in 1974, or 1975. So, I mean, he just was so consistent with what he did. Um, you know, a, a, a great professional, no doubt about it. Uh, all right, honk, get us out of here.
2: Well, uh, first, I'd like to see if we could get an analyst. Is there a Redcast analyst out there that would, you know like to apply? Maybe send us your application again to the Go Big Redcast uh, Gmail inbox, uh, and uh, you know, we'll see if we can. We'll hire you. Uh, it'll be for no charge. <laughs> um, I wanted to start by uh, giving a shout out to Trey at paper stadiums. You know, we talked to him a couple of weeks ago and the guy just keeps knocking it out of the park, so to speak. Uh, but one of the last ones was a uh, Michigan stadium and there's a photo of Jim Harbaugh holding his paper stadium. I mean, that is just so cool. I mean, I am so proud of the guy and you know, there he is over there in Omaha doing this and doing it for, for places all across the country. So great job. Keep it up, Trey. Um, I also wanted to say thanks to the Redcasters out there that send us some of the nice notes because being out there on Twitter, I mean, we fight the good fight sometimes. We try to bring a little bit of sensibility to, you know, the Sage Rosenfels of the world and all that. But uh, I want to give a shout out to Tony PNW. Husker, so uh, Pacific Northwest Husker. And he said, uh, at Go Big Redcast, hey, I've been reading all the overreactions that the transfers have brought. I appreciate how level-headed you guys are and all the research you do to help fans get to the same place. Not always going to work, but you guys do a damn good job bringing light like to some of this. So, well, you know, it makes you feel good, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: Thanks, Tony. That was- to sweet. I like yeah. that. Thank you.
2: Last but not least in this one I Dave you don't do parting shots but I, I do want to get your thoughts on this one thing was uh, the college uh, World Series format is changing in 2022 my understanding is it's not a huge change it's going back to what it used to be where they're involved it's starting on Fridays and they're involving weekends but it is a change. And we've talked about in the past about how, you know, college baseball hopefully is moving towards some other changes and moving back. But just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on what those format changes are and, and a little bit of direction in college baseball that way.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's not the, the big move that Eric Backage of Michigan proposed last year that might still be coming here, uh, mm-hmm. where we maybe push the season back a month or more, uh, warmer weather, better attendance across, um, college baseball, and um, you could align it with Major League Draft in Omaha. There's lots of benefits all all um, going on there. But this move, uh, a simple move that actually is uh, fan-friendly, I think, and TV-friendly, there'll be um, college baseball at the World Series uh, for both weekends. Right now, uh, sometimes you have a Saturday game, but it's quite possible and sometimes likely that everybody is done playing by Friday, and then they wait. Uh, until Monday to start the championship round, the, the best of three series. Now they're going to go back where you actually have baseball on, on both weekends. I think that'll be better for, uh, TV ratings and just funner for folks in Omaha to, to go get to games on Saturday and Sunday. So great stuff, guys. All right. Um, let's, uh, call that a go big Redcast Go big red. 12 and out.
1: All
2: right. A media production.